As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. All right, here we go. Whether you are uh, tuning in live on Facebook or uh, listening to the audio version of this on the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast feed, just wanted to say welcome back or welcome to uh, what's become our weekly staple, our Friday story time discussion. As you can probably see here, uh, our guest today is none other than six-time NHRA world champion, Jag Coughlin Jr. Jaggy, thank you for joining us, man. Hey, my pleasure. Uh, my pleasure, Luke. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, we're kind of, as we we're talking a moment ago, these Zoom meetings are getting, uh, obviously gotten extremely popular and, uh, but it's great to be on with you as always. Uh, great to see you and uh, good to be a part of the audience, man. Let's uh, have a good time with it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, as we've said, I think our audience has heard me say several times, like our goal here during this, you know, uncertain time and the social distancing period is just to come through with some some little semblance of of joy of motivation of bringing us back to i mean we're all missing a lot of things right now but yeah. i think for most of us in the racing community we're missing the competition the camaraderie the community of racing yeah. and that's what mm -hmm. we're trying to do here is just fill in a little bit of uh maybe it's just a uh pleasant distraction from the current reality, but to bring back a little bit of that here and just having a lot of fun with these conversations. Ultimately, all I want to do here is kind of tee you up because obviously you've got an array of experiences within racing and what I think most people know inherently, but they, they just get to see the, the polished, you know, TV interview side is how, how you, the depth of storytelling ability that you have. So I just kind of want to turn you loose on that ultimately, <laughs> but I feel like we've got to start with the, the, the more, you know, natural reality right now. Like how, how is this time impacting you specifically your family and your business? How are you guys dealing with this? Well, it's uh, definitely been trying times uh, and, and we've been very thankful and very fortunate as a family uh, to remain healthy. Uh, not only as an immediate family, but also, uh, you know, our extended family here at Jigs. Um, you know, we've remained open, uh, you know, through this <clears throat> pandemic, and and it's definitely created a lot of challenges and a lot of uncertainties, as you mentioned, not only from with under our roof, but also, uh, you know, outside in the clouds here uh, in the United States and at the state level. So. Um, <clears throat> You know, we're, our goals here at, at JEGS have been to, uh, you know, provide a safe uh, working environment for our associates. Uh, we've had a lot of folks uh, that we've been able to transition to work from home, uh, which has, uh, you know, been good good for them naturally and also uh, you know, allowed us to uh, spread spread our folks out here at, uh, at JEGS quite a bit more, more so than even some of the CDC recommendations and state recommendations. So, uh, you know, it's definitely had its challenges, uh, but our thoughts and prayers and uh, are to all the families and uh, friends that have been affected by this. And, 
you know, we've been affected many, many ways uh, without question. And, you know, as a lot of said, uh, thanks and praise to our first responders, our police officers, the firefighters, uh, municipalities, uh, you know, and then all the direct essential businesses that uh, have stayed and remained open uh, to service the public and try and keep the economy going at that level has been uh, definitely been a big challenge. And, and, and we've been a very, very small part of that. Uh, so, but, um, you know, we're, we're optimistic and, uh, and looking forward to uh, things continuing to taper in favor of, of the health of the country and, and, uh, and, and of our states and, and looking forward to trying to, you know, sneak our way back toward a norm for sure. Amen to that. All right, let's lighten the mood a little bit. I don't know where to start here because we could go so many different directions. Like I say, more than anything, I want to tee you up. But I'm kind of curious, obviously, growing up in a in a as much of a racing family as anyone could grow up in, right? What is, like, take me way back to, like, what's your first maybe memory of the sport? And then two-part question, which I know I'm not supposed to do, but then I want to hear your first experience behind the wheel, too. Right on, uh two-part question then I'll get halfway through and say what was the question no uh you know my probably my first recollections uh growing up you know a couple things uh you know we lived in a ranch home and uh just outside Columbus Ohio and and I knew as a kid you know when I went to bed that night if I was you know you know the bottom of the window was probably about uh two feet off the ground and I could see through this front picture window if there was a ramp truck out there with uh, another race car, there was one on the back of the ramp truck and one in, in tow. Uh, my dad had uh, two injected funny cars that uh, ran on nitromethane, injected on nitromethane. Uh, he drove one, Bob Durbin drove the other. And uh, I knew when I saw the ramp truck out front that uh, there was a real good chance I was gonna get to go racing the next day. And, and uh, you know, having three older brothers then filling in the gaps, uh, you know, it was, uh, those were always the fun times, whether we got to ride in the, the big Dodge ramp truck, which by the way, we, uh, are restoring as we speak. Been seeing uh, pictures of that. Yeah. That's, uh, really a neat, uh, a neat truck and brings back a lot of memories. I can still hear the harmonics in my head, uh, from age, what, four and five at the time, probably more like four. And, uh, so th those were probably first memories, um, come to think about it. You know, my brothers and I, we had a little, uh, we had an open garage at, at the same house I'm talking about, but in the front of the garage was like a little shed that uh, had, had a little workbench in it. And my dad had some tools in there and we would take, uh, you know, two wicker stools and we'd set those on the ground, you know, with, with the legs facing back toward us, a uh, couple of old milk crates, which uh, a lot of you uh, youngsters out there wouldn't, wouldn't recall what a milk crate looks like. We'd take an eight, eight pack of uh, tab, uh, which was a Diet Coke, basically, before it's time. Uh, well, they still offer tab. It's still uh, as lovely as it's always been, right? <laughs> but uh, we put that on top of the milk crate. And, uh, and then we would take a like a four-legged chair and lay it down in front of the milk crate and in front of the stool. Uh, so we'd put our feet down in the legs of the stool so it looked like a, a dragster. You know, the back of the chair came up like the seat. And uh, and then behind that was the legs of the chair holding the... the uh, the engine so to speak and uh, man we we race side by side i can't tell you how many runs we made as kids again that's probably ages uh three four five six you know and uh probably find a couple of us still doing that today but uh that's probably the first recollections i would say of of my racing uh that wasn't technically behind the wheel i wouldn't say but uh won a lot of rounds down in that shed i'll tell you at least in my own mind right <laughs> that is some ingenuity there i love it <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It really was, uh, you know, uh, being the youngest of four, you know, uh, maybe one of the ones coming up with the ideas, but, uh, but, but we had a great time. First time behind the wheel was actually on a, on a moped, uh, uh -huh. Mar Marion County international raceway. I think I was like 14, uh, went up to Bill Guthrie, the, the track owner and, uh, Mr. Guthrie, you know, and he, you know, knew my father from racing there for years and knew our family. And I asked him, I said, I'd really like to run running the motorcycle class today uh, with my scooter. And he's kind of chuckled, like kind of, you know, gave me one of those, yeah, go ahead, you know? And I'm like, all right, cool. So, you know, I, I got black nylon pants on and I had my brother John's fire jacket on, which was a little big, his black helmet, black visor. And uh, I'm running 
30 seconds in the quarter mile. There's quarter mile racing as well. And uh, long story short, uh, uh, in, ended up going to the final round that day, running a nine second bike in the final. And, uh, you know, it was getting dark and here I am in that same get up, uh, you know, six, seven, eight hours later. And, and I was excited. I had a long spot and I'm, you know, I'm, I left the line. I'm pedaling a little bit to get going. Then I'm on, I'm tucked. And uh, I think I just stayed tucked too long. Either that or I was too excited and trying to push off too fast. I broke out in the final against a nine-second bike. And, man, I had from, from here to the city of Delaware uh, of room because I uh, had the tree by a couple of tents. And, uh, uh, you well, know, it was probably like a 100-mile-an-hour difference. So no yeah, there was a big delta there in, <laughs> uh, in the closing rate on, on that, uh, that bike closing on me fast. But, you know, it was a lot of fun. And then I raced uh, in the street eliminator class probably – about a year later, I was 15. It was on a Wednesday night race at National Trail Raceway and I borrowed my brother John's uh, Z28. Uh, I think it ran like 16 seconds and a quarter mile. And, uh, and about 1 a.m., I found myself uh, with a $50 check and uh, hold my first uh, racing trophy. Uh, you know, remember it like yesterday and was excited as could be. And I was, I was hooked. If I wasn't hooked before then, I was definitely hooked at that point. So the success came immediately. I mean, you're in the final first time on the moped and win the yeah. first time in a big car, right? Yeah. Yeah. I guess you could say that, uh, you know, we didn't have juniors, uh, at growing up at our age, uh, they didn't come till years later, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I had, had success right off the bat and, you know, but I gotta say, uh, you know, I give a lot of credit to my brothers. I've watched them race so much, uh, you know, as I was like 12 and 13 and 14, 15, as I was uh, going and I didn't understand bracket racing. Uh, my father's last ride was a top fuel dragster of which my brothers and I all got to, to work on personally and, you know, traveled all the events and uh, be a part of the crew. We kind of looked like Brewster six pack, I guess you'd say, uh, although we we're four, four plus pop. And then we had a couple adult helpers too but it was a lot of fun i love nitro it was uh definitely in my blood but but that's not from behind the wheel uh but as my brothers got into bracket racing it was uh very intriguing and and the challenges of of the bracket racing were uh were very confusing at first and uh, but really uh as i learned about it uh, the challenges were there and uh, really enjoyed the math of it and later figuring weather and et cetera et cetera as we do today so uh, uh that that, that was been my first love ever since of all the success that you have had behind the wheel which has obviously been well documented you know i mean from pro stock to the sportsman categories to big dollar bracket racing on down the line um it i would imagine it's hard to pick out any one memory that stands out but i would think that first national event win back in 1990s got to be close to the top it was uh yeah it was definitely uh, close to the top. It was a uh, rain delayed spring nationals right here in our hometown. You know, they always point, rain delayed. It yeah, wasn't an annual yeah. thing. Yeah. I think that was the year uh, that they had, I could have taken my jet ski out to national trail raceway and ridden it around uh, through some of the, the areas that were just, you know, dramatically flooded. Uh, and we've seen some of that here recently, but uh, yeah, so we we're rain delayed a week. Uh, it was over father's day weekend. Naturally of being home, our father was there. And back then we ran maybe two or three or four national events a year, unless, you know, I was first off, I was just getting started. And second off, you know, unless you were running for a championship, uh, you know, the points, then you could run up to six as you can today. And uh, so that was a very memorable. I remember last couple of rounds, you know, you know, what was going through my mind and, and trying to, uh, you know, stay calm, stay focused at, you know, to just do what I love to do. And that's uh, drive a race car and, you know, uh, stay confident have a game plan and uh, get out and execute. So I uh, was fortunate uh, that day to, to do just that and bring home uh, our family's first national event win. That was the first of the family? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Surprisingly, uh, uh, surprisingly it was, yeah. And what, at the time, what were you, 20? Somewhere right in that range? I was, uh, yeah, I just was soon to turn 20 Yeah. Uh, in 90. So I was still 19 and uh, turned 20 a couple weeks later. And now, at that time, was that have been the Corvette? What were you driving there? Yes. Yeah, yeah Corvette that uh, was uh, built for my brother Mike. And then uh, later, I hopped into it and, and uh, did a lot of bracket racing with that car as well. Uh, 
you know, back in the day, uh, there were a lot of door slammers running in the brackets as, you know, now that we've gone to uh, kind of the segregation between door cars and dragsters, we've seen a big surge of uh, door cars again, which is uh, pretty cool. Yeah, Very yeah, cool. it's a lot of fun. Um, so it's what, two years removed from that, that you find yourself in the heat of a points battle, end up winning the, the Supergas World Championship battle with one of your best friends, Kyle Seibel, yep. right? You guys were one, two, and that was in the Roadster, correct? Yeah, it was. Yeah, Take we had been uh... through a little bit of that season and maybe the conclusion. I think you guys ended up finishing up at Pomona, right? We did, yes. Uh, yeah, we just finished building that car uh, coming into the 92 season. Uh, we built it right at our shop at Jegs uh, uh, in the shop called Jegster. Uh, Roger Burkett and his team, uh, who I worked with every single day, but, um, you know, it was really neat to see that car come together. And, and I was in college at the time, but was frequently uh, back at Jegs working on the weekends or, or while I wasn't in school naturally. And, and uh, so there was quite a bit of that time through the, through the Christmas off, off uh, being off from school. And uh, I remember the car coming together uh, early in 92, probably about uh, March or April. And, and, you know, I just looked at the guys, there was about four or five of them that had their hands in on the fabrication. The engine was built in the next room at, in the engine shop. And I just said to him, I said, man, there's, there's only one thing that's going to keep this car from the winter circle this year. And, uh, and that's me. And uh, I said, you know, it was just, you know, we really took our time meticulously thought out from, you know, ergonomic standpoint for the driver from an ergonomic ergonomic standpoint of working on the car. Cause as you know, we have to work on these things too. And it was just a great car, but uh, fast forward to the year. Uh, you know, I think the first race I went to was the Indy points meet. Um, you know, uh, we were on mechanical throttle stops at that point with air cylinders inline air cylinders, which is still on the car. The car sits in our lobby here at Jigs in Delaware, Ohio and uh, eight round race. Uh, you know, car wasn't perfect by any stretch. It, I had the stop stall way too high and uh, it was shifting on the stop. You know, this is when we stayed low gear on the stop the whole time and it was shifting on the stop and I had like three and a half, four seconds in it. But, you know, once you're, once you get past a certain point, you know, you're kind of committed. So uh, I was probably on a, a 70 most runs, 70 or low 80 most runs and uh, was able to weed kind of walk my way through uh, eight rounds and, and uh, pick up the first, uh, first, really first win of the year was a uh, eight round race and a big 1100 point uh, uh, win for us. And, uh, you know, just the rest of the season uh, went pretty well. Uh, you mentioned Kyle Seipel a minute ago. He uh, had come in town. We had met the year before, maybe, or a couple years before, I think a couple years before uh, in Vegas points meet and my brother Troy was out there racing. And I just went, out there to tag along and watch and uh he ended up flying in for the uh then trw all-stars and uh driving my brother john's ford probe and super gas so uh i was we were kind of struggling with the roadster for some reason we won indy with it and then columbus was about our next race in june uh and the car just was having problems. Long story short, uh, he and I did a hell of a job uh, getting uh, laddered up, ran each other first round. Car ran great first round, but it was one of those scenarios where I was on a pretty pretty hot run and I just didn't get away with it on a double breakout. Uh, but the pivotal point was after that race, uh, my brother Mike and I went to another race, I think in Memphis and uh, did okay, but still having trouble with the car. So we swung through... Uh, Actually, we were on the East Coast. I'm sorry. We were in, in uh, Pennsylvania and uh, went through George Rupert's house and uh, stopped in to see uh, George and company and, and uh, you know, worked on the car firsthand, he and I, and he found there was a problem in the fuel pump. You know, it wasn't in the carburetor, and, uh, <laughs> and, which is true, uh, and it usually isn't in, in there. Uh, George has, you know, waved his magical wand over a lot of our cars over the years, and this is 1992. So uh, at any rate, uh, found a problem in the fuel pump, and uh, we just went on a terror after that and uh, won a slew of points meets and some late finishes uh, at some nationals still, and, and uh, that brought us up to 92 U.S. nationals. Uh, you know, ran good friend and a uh, couple-time world champ at the time, Sherman Adcock in the final there, and, and uh, it was a rain-delayed event. Uh, imagine that uh, into the late night of Monday, Monday evening, maybe even... Tuesday morning, uh, it's probably still Monday night, 
uh, you know, dark as could be and uh, ended up getting the win, win there. So uh, felt great to get a uh, U.S. Nationals win and, and uh, another eight, eight round race. Right. Uh, so uh, it was quite a, quite a tally there. And, you know, there was a couple of guys that season, uh, Kyle Seipel, as we've mentioned, uh, was having a heck of a year out West. Uh, Tom Seaman on the East coast was, mm. was, uh, is that not... the year that he won like 28 rounds in a row or something ridiculous? I exactly. Remember that. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And I think, uh, we had a stretch that, uh, probably mimicked that and, and maybe a couple more through the summer, mm-hmm. uh, that was, uh, you know, that's what it took that year. I was, you know, at that time was well over 7,000 points, uh, to win the championship. And, uh, it was, uh, you know, it was a dream come true for a kid that, uh, you know, just a couple of years earlier in college, you know, as one of my assignments was to put, you know, what are some of my goals? Uh, hard to believe some of my goals were racing related, but uh, I think all, most of them were and uh, probably still are today. But, um, you know, to achieve some of those goals at, uh, you know, such a, a young age and early stage, uh, as we look back now, fortunately, I've had a had a long and, uh, and, and great career. So, uh, hopefully we're not done. Yeah. No kidding. So that's, yeah, that's a championship under your belt at what? 22. And yeah. Obviously the, the progress from there has been astounding. It was right around that time or shortly thereafter that you began to expand horizons and become, you know, ultimately known as like the, the Swiss army knife of all drag racing. Right. I mean, you can jump in anything and win seemingly, um, but I, I noticed, it seems like we've talked a little bit before about your, uh, your maiden voyage in Superstock. Like, I remember that being an entertaining story. So I'll tee you up for yeah, that one. No uh, <laughs> it was, it was fun. You know, I, I always found myself at the, at the fence, uh, you know, watching stock and super stock and still today, you'll, you'll see me up there. I just, I enjoy the cars. I, you know, uh, enjoy the variety of cars, uh, uh, that, that stock and super stock, but in this point in case uh you know was uh, becoming good friends with jeff taylor uh you know and ended up buying a car from uh, from jeff one of his uh blue blue and white uh, old achievas and uh bought it at the end of the 1993 season and i think he had raced maybe the houston points meet with it and and or maybe yeah the houston points meet at the end of the year and then i took it to the dallas national event uh the following week uh, after purchasing it. And I can, uh, I'd never sat in a super stock car, never driven one, nothing, but you know, I've driven a little bit off the bottom, you know, that moped days and a little bit of street eliminator, but I got to say in street eliminator shortly after I started racing street eliminator, which was very, uh, uh, I wasn't very consistent at it because I like to travel and go help my brothers. Peanut Dixon, uh, South Florida uh, hero, you know, pretty much won everything under the sun in the, you know, 80s and 90s and and uh, still tiptoes around from what I understand every now and then. But uh, he put a delay box on my streetcar. And uh, so even uh, at a young age, I was leaving on the top uh, and there was nothing at that point in time that uh, prevented you from doing so. There was shortly thereafter. But uh, I remember the the street class in yeah. Canada where I grew up, like, 80% of the field had nine second eighth mile cars with delay boxes. So yeah, that, sure. there, that was a thing for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was no reason not to, uh, the technology was, uh, certainly in, in your favor, uh, if you know how to use it. And, uh, obviously a lot of people learn how to use it pretty quick, uh, to the, back to the, to the subject at hand though, uh, super stock. I remember the first burnout, you know, this, now the converter stalls in this thing, like 8,000 RPMs. I've never driven anything past maybe 6,800, maybe 7,000 and, uh, completely different sound. Um, uh, but I remember doing the burnout high winding, but I've listened to hundreds of runs uh, from the sidelines. Uh, but I remember the first time I let go of the button. I mean, just the way, the way the car rolled out and just picked the front end up. I was like, man, am I in love here? I could, I could do burnouts and wheelies all day long and forget the rest of it. Uh, but uh, I was I was in love from from the first first time uh, right there and uh, in Dallas the car was blue and white had a blue jigs on the side which is uh, unorthodox for us but uh, you know it's it what we were working with uh, in about a five day period and, and uh, went to the semifinals at that event uh, ran Bob Dennis in the at uh, four cars and I remember he was like a 12 second uh, GTM or something and and a little yellow Calais and 
and I'm hunting him down, hunting him down, running like nine, probably nine thirties or so. And, and, uh, I remember, okay, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I start rolling out of the throttle, you know, as I'm probably a couple car lengths behind, you know, cause I kind of triangulate in the finish line. And, and, uh, what I didn't know at that point in time is, uh, is how much this thing deaccelerates on its own. Uh, once that, uh, you know, the RPMs are holding that motor and pulling it back. I was like, no, 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 no. And uh, so needless to say, uh, old uh, Bob made it to the finish line first and uh, and ended up winning the race that day, but uh, had, had a ball and uh, came out the next year, uh, ran Stanfield in the first uh, race I went to in the final points meet at Dallas and got beaten that final and, and won my first national the next week in uh, wow. Houston. So uh, hell of a good time. And uh, like I said, I, I could do burnouts and wheelies all day. That was probably during the time period of Stanfield's reign in that category, oh, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, no doubt. Uh, you know, between, uh, you know, with his success behind the wheel and, and his dad's heritage and, and right there with them, uh, you know, it was, it was a cool team to see. And, and then later see Aaron come, uh, come on, on hand and, uh, you know, be quite the athlete he is and transition that into, uh, into stock, super stock, top dragster, just about whatever he hops in. He's uh, pretty proficient as well. So, and he's a teammate of mine now, so, which is pretty cool. Yeah, no doubt. It all comes full circle. Um, now your, your super stock story rings true. I remember, uh, it's probably been 10 years ago. Scott, Scotty Stillings let me drive his modified car. And the, nope. the only like, I first, we were in South Georgia and I don't think he came like his dad brought the car. So Scotty's trying to coach me through it over the phone. And he says to me, if you can in the water, try to keep it under like 9,000. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. Right. And then to your point, like you don't realize the tires don't start spinning until 7,800, you know, (laughs) it's just insane. It's a whole different world. Um, When I think of your um, bracket racing acumen specifically, obviously there's a ton of different things that could come to mind, but I always revert back to, I think it was maybe 0304 at Moroso, the the year that they had the 25th anniversary and yeah. you know, not only won that race, but it seemed like just dominated the entire weekend. Like that was kind of my doctrination because that was maybe the one of the first times I was there to see you just dominate a field yeah. like that. But I would imagine over the course of the years, because that race held so much prestige and was so much fun. Um, I just imagine you've got some great, winter series stories in general yeah, no doubt uh yeah that was that was quite a year that you mentioned there uh, you know i a couple weeks before we went to moroso well about a month before we went to moroso we we're at the 10 tucks for their uh fall 10,000s and uh for one reason or another which my car wouldn't shift into high gear i, I think i was down to uh, the quarterfinals race from brian robinson and uh you know let go bump thing takes off I'm like that felt pretty good you know rolling through the tree and I'm hunting him down hunting down I'm like man this thing doesn't sound right and I just reach over and shift it you know wasn't on the high side yet but it was just way past its time we shifted on RPM at that time and uh and I shifted this thing and I'm catching him catching him catching him and it just leveled off and stopped because I ran out of power and you know through through way over running the gear in low gear and uh, I'm like I'm looking at myself, which seemed like, you know, we're racing eighth mile. It seemed like I had a mile left in this race. I'm like, fuck, there's nothing I can do here. You know, I mean, you can't even check out, you know, you're already going five above. So, uh, anyway, uh, I put uh, nitrous on the car, uh, for, for Moroso. And, and, uh, like yesterday, I can remember, I went to national trail raceway. Uh, they had a real late fall race before, uh, Moroso. And I was sicker than a dog, but I'm like, I got to go. I got to test this thing. I got to know what this does and, you know, have a little game plan for using it because I'm getting ready to go to the baddest racing of all time uh, in a couple of weeks. And uh, and lo and behold, you know, here I, I find myself in the quick 32, I think, first round. I'm racing a little bit faster car than me. And, uh you know, he's kind of coming up on me, coming up on me. And I'm like, man, he's clearly getting there. And, uh, you know, and I knew Rob is dialed, you know, with nitrous, you know, you have the opportunity to change your game plan if you like in, in many ways, but in one way in particular on the dial. And, uh, you know, so I just 
and I'm like, here we go. I've never used it yet. Cause I didn't, we only got one time run cause of weather. And, uh, so I didn't, I wanted to get a, a clean time run. And, uh, so I hit this nitrous, you know, and I'm picturing this like 1970s Winston dragster logo where the, you know, the, the you push the button, the dragster just arcs up and just shoots you straight up over the scoreboards or something that didn't happen. But what it did do is, uh, it opened, opened that window back up as it was closing, uh, and then allowed uh, a little finish line finesse to take place and uh, dropped, you know, get, get my slip and uh, was good on the tree and was dead on, on the drop. I'm like, wow, that was just money. That was perfect. And, and uh, that was round one that, that I used it, but that year in Rosa, I went through uh, two full bottles of nitrous over the course of five days. And it was, and it's never happened since, you know, the, and I'm not saying I said it, it said any kind of trends here, but, you know, uh, you know, uh, bracket racers are very sharp and they catch on very quickly uh, to uh, trends or patterns or, or different pictures. And, and so uh, I guess everyone was a pretty quick study. <laughs> yeah, no question. Cause to your point, that was not, it was not a, a popular add on at that point. Right. No, no one. I, I picked it up, honestly, uh, the year before we were at Moroso, you know, the fame tower in the middle and about two pair back old iron Mike Fuquay sitting in his dragster and he'd hit that purge button. Psh, psh, and I looked down at him just standing there. Cause I'm obviously wasn't in or I was further back in line and he looked at me and he goes, He's getting ready to just decapitate somebody. And I'm like, <laughs> man, that's badass. And uh, that must have gone through my mind uh, at some point in time uh, between then and my Brian Robinson uh, situation, and and uh, and added to it. And and I still use it today. Uh, I mean, it's on probably uh, 40, 50 percent of the bracket cars out there, and a lot mm -hmm. of people use it. And it's uh, can be very effective uh, at the right time used properly. It's just a, a couple of weeks ago, we, uh, Jared and I had Kevin McKenna on the podcast and our topic was kind of debating and attempting to draft the best individual sportsman drag racing seasons of all time. And obviously we had a list of 30 and I think you could make an argument for any of the 30, but one of the ones on the list, I think you had two seasons on the list, both your championship campaign <coughs> and then also the, the fame 97 season where you ultimately got your first win in pro stock but yep. prior to that had won in three other nhra categories right yeah pro stock being the fourth. Fourth. Yep. Yep. what was like I, I had a similar i guess question for for sean langdon uh, a couple of weeks ago but everybody's situation is different like what was that transition like i think most of us look at it as like the the call-up so to speak like the the call-up from the minor leagues to the major leagues or whatever you know that yep. transition into pro stock and then having <laughs> success that early on I felt uh, it felt great. I mean that the '97 season was uh, was pretty wild uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I was primarily racing comp and super stock, um, and running for you know my goal was to run for you know dual world championships that year. We were having an issue with with the super stock car, so I pulled the trusty old roadster that happened to be sitting there that I won the '92 championship with, and uh, took it to English Town. Uh, ran it once that year one English town in it. I think that might've been an eight round race as well. Um, but fast forwarding through that year, you know, I, I've always enjoyed the disciplines between uh, the different classes that we race in, but not, not only that, but on the same, same day or same event. Uh, and it's always just made it, uh, you know, that much more challenging or that much more, uh, discipline that it takes uh, to be able to pull it off so and, and that's always I think made me sharper now to your point on the call up maybe comment you know I've never seen it that way you know and I've I've argued uh, for years and years and years with the media as I've come into the professional ranks you know because they've asked me the question you know maybe I won the week before in a sportsman class. So like, is that fair for you to go race in a sportsman class? I said, let me tell you something here. You know, there's uh, I'd take eight of the best pro drivers and eight of the best, almost like we just did the other night uh, in the pros versus Joe's, uh, which uh, was a lot of fun, crazy, crazy evening for some reason, the way it all panned out, but a whole nother story. But, uh, and, and I would put the eight best drivers out of both, both uh, series. And, and I've, almost underwrite who's going to pull it off at the end of the day. And, uh, you know, they never quite really understood that some of them, 
bid onto it, but uh, there's no question the the experience that I've, I've had in bracket racing and sportsman racing that it contributed to me being able to hop in and be mentally competitive in pro stock. Uh, there's so many other factors that go into it with uh, crew chiefs and cars and, and horsepower and all that coming together uh, as one. But, uh, you know, to win pro stock, uh, as early as we did was, uh, was pretty damn cool, you know, and, and it wasn't like I was driving my tail off or was, you know, doing a great job. It just, it just kind of fell together is, is, uh, and I'm not trying to downplay it or, or anything like that, but it was, uh, it was, it was, you know, I'm just thinking back here over that Houston week, uh, it was the second time we raced in pro stock. I got my license, uh, at National Trail Raceway with a 522-inch uh, Steve Schmidt motor and uh, and my brother Troy's old Cutlass, uh, things went pretty well. My dad's like, you know, maybe we could make a, a race or two here at the end of the year. And um, we went to Norwalk and met Dick Baskin there, and he was putting a 500 cubic inch motor in my car uh, as he was already running with my brother Troy. And uh, I remember the first run, I think I ran like 704 you know 194 or five or something and back then we used to have you know air, like today have air launchers on the parachutes and norwalk's a pretty short track and i hit the parachutes and nothing happened i'm starting to talk on the radio like i always do and ramble i'm like man i better get this thing stopped it's not slowing down so somehow you know i got it stopped with no problem but uh the air bottle was left off so the shocks didn't work and and they're air uh, parachute launchers didn't work so my father came up with the the uh micro switch on the air bottle so that uh you know that would prevent the uh, at least the starter up above my head from working uh, the one under the dash or on the firewall would still work uh if the switch went bad but uh, uh yeah it was it was a fun event uh, houston uh, ran mark osborne in the final uh, i think i won maybe one round one or two rounds on whole shots getting to that point and uh you know, it was just uh, kind of a fairy tale start to, you know, another chapter in my career that's been, uh, been just been awesome. And probably the best part of it, though, in all honesty, is is the teamwork that's uh, that that you see take place. Uh, you know, in the first several years was headed up by my father, Jeg, uh, just a mastermind. I mean, you know, sitting within this uh, couple hundred thousand square foot facility here in Delaware, Ohio, all started in a you know, 2,500 square foot garage, you know, 60 years ago, uh, his, his, his uh, love for automotive, for cars and going fast uh, has just grown and grown and grown into this. But firsthand uh, having him uh, as my crew chief, he was the guy on my radio, you know, uh, helping line me up and asking me the questions before and after the runs was, was, was just amazing. And I treasure that. Uh, I don't, I treasure that not lightly at all. Uh, we've had a lot of fun, won a lot of races together. Uh, but beyond that, uh, you know, working with masterminds like Dick Maskin, Steve Schmidt, Roy Johnson, uh, with some horsepower, uh, the Cagnazzi group, uh, and now currently uh, with the elite uh, and, and a lot of the guys there that I've worked with in the past, uh, more recently uh, with Jake Kirsten. But, uh, you know, I enjoy the group. Uh, they're a lot of fun. Uh, Richard and I, we said we'd race together at some point in time. And, uh, that point came about, uh, 14, actually 14 years ago, you know, I got to know him probably in the early two thousands and we said we were going to race together someday. And so he calls me up. I wasn't racing professionally in Oh six, uh, just did a lot of bracket racing that year and, uh, asked if I want to drive this comp car at Indy. And I'm like, you know, sure. What, what do you got? And it was a super mod car. And I'm kind of going off on a tangent here. I apologize, but uh, this thing's white and orange. He just bought it from an East Coast racer, truck, trailer, car, engines. I mean, just I showed up and it was all there. And I'm like, all right. So I hop in this thing, you know, rides a nice wheelie, runs about 50 under. We're about mid pack in a 64 car field. And they're just slowly pecking on it. And, uh, uh, you know, pro stock champion himself, Jim Hader, was working on the car. Mid Midwestern fellow. I know a lot of, uh, you know him and a lot of our viewers know him, but, uh, uh, I had a rerun on Sunday night. I mean, how many, how often at an NHRA national event do you get a rerun? So I had run a fella in the third round on, on Sunday of the U S nationals. Uh, you know, he was uh, a little bit slower than I was, 
uh, we ran ran that round. I won the round. We were clean. I was like 50 under to his 52 or three under. He made his best round of the weekend. And NHRA came by and said, we need to rerun you and two other pair. Cause I'm like, why? I'm like, well, there's something on the track and in your opponent's lane. I said, well, that's interesting. He's made the fastest run of the whole weekend. And, uh, but you know, I mean, they'd made the decision. And yeah. as we know, uh, we, we live with, uh, the decisions that come to us and, and so that put us at the tail end of everything. We were the last pair down the track Sunday night. We went from, you know, the six o'clock slimy heat to uh, about nine, eight thirty, nine o'clock PM black tight track. And I rode a wheelie. I swear at least to the three thirty. Uh, we'd forgot to tighten the front end down, I guess. And man, uh, we ended up winning the round, but, it was one hell of a ride. I'm telling you, Richard and I chuckle about that to this day. And, uh, since then he, we talked about uh, getting together in the pro stock efforts and, uh, you know, things just never really aligned. And when I stepped away from pro stock in the 15, 2015, I, I really had no plans of coming back and, uh, and running any pro stock. And the way I rode off in the sunset, I was completely happy with. And, uh, and, uh, so he had called me up to run a couple of races out West uh, when Drew Skillman wasn't going to run the West coast swing. And uh, I'm like, well, I, I can't run Denver cause I had a prior commitment. And he's like, I, you know, I won't say what he said, just come run the second two. So I'm like, all right. So uh, I went out there and we ran, ran and ran. Well, I think I've got the semis in the final, the two races there. And, and uh, you know, the phone rang to, to try and put a band, put the band back together with Mopar and, and, uh, and with elite and with Erica and myself and, and, uh, that kind of, that type of a, uh, program really intrigued me and was exciting, excited, excited me to try and put a program together like that. And, uh, as it turned out, maybe it wasn't, uh, you know, one of our finer decisions, uh, as the performance just didn't pan out with switching to EFI and whatnot, but, uh, you know, we, we had one heck of a good time and, and, hardly could qualify. So, uh, we knew if we were fast, uh, we'd even have more fun and, uh, and, uh, been there a couple extra years than I planned on. So long story short. Now, and from, a from a just purely racing standpoint, it feels like the current situation, like couldn't have happened at a worse time for you guys. I mean, you got to set this thing rolling, seem like you've got a horsepower advantage. You're dominant yeah. at the first couple of events. It looks like this swan song, swan song season is just going to be a, a dream finish. Yeah. And, it, and who knows, it still may be that, but uh, how, how frustrating is it on your end, just from a competitive standpoint to be on the sidelines right now? Well, I think it's given me a taste of retirement is what it's, uh, what it's done in, in that respect. Uh, but in all seriousness, uh, you know, with what, what our country's faced with and, and the challenges that we, we spoke about and everyone is familiar with, with, uh, COVID is, is, uh, you know, takes a lot of attention and has taken a lot of, you know, attention and respect from us as, uh, citizens. But, uh, but like you said, I mean, to have, have the season start as it did, uh, with the announcement of our breaking barriers tour there, uh, in Pomona and, and, uh, you know, win that race in such dominant fashion. I mean, that was the single most dominant race I've ever enjoyed in a, in a race car period, um, from performance standpoint and, or from uh, Friday to Sunday night. Uh, so from that aspect, it, it was amazing. Uh, Phoenix was on, on track to go, uh, in a similar fashion, qualified number one again, and, um, just fell second round. We made a little, made a, kind of an adjustment in the pits that uh, uh, was a you know, mechanical error that we made and uh, the car misfired really, really bad. Obviously it wasn't intended to do so. And uh, we bailed out, I think round two there and then to rebound uh, so strongly as we did at the uh, world door car nationals in Orlando, uh, you know, uh, up until, uh, up until that race, uh, the most money I've ever wanted a race in one day was uh, at the SFG five, five and a quarter. Uh, and that 75,000 uh, win was huge for us. Uh, not a, for a lot of reasons. One, you know, uh, kind of put us back on track for, uh, going into Gainesville the next week, which as we know, uh, when the pandemic kind of set in and, and has changed our, at least our uh, temporary lives at, at this point. Uh, but I'm looking forward to, to getting back to racing naturally, uh, when the time is right. 
you know, and when that time is right, it'll be uh, that decision's made from folks way higher than than uh, than us and all of our viewers. You know, uh, as citizens, we have a, a small voice, but uh, you know, it's a it's a big issue. So uh, I know, uh, obviously, our president and CDC, and you know, we uh, tune in what seems like daily to see the latest in news and uh, would love to see this uh, continue to uh, uh, phase out as, as we, as we're seeing it uh, naturally and, and see if we can't put it behind us and, and uh, get back to our daily lives and resume, if you will. Uh, racing is certainly uh, at the top of our list. Would love to uh, get back to racing and I've heard uh, a lot of tracks are starting to uh, maybe get some uh, exhaust exhaust uh, fumes starting to maybe flow even this weekend so uh hopefully all that stays well and safe and uh, get uh, the racing season going again yeah absolutely what um curious uh, one more one more question for you and then i'll let you resume your your, your daily operations and activities i'm just <laughs> curious to get uh, to get your perspective on this because obviously it happens at you're at a different phase of life each step of the way and in and, and different categories and everything like that. But I'm curious from your perspective, the, to maybe compare contrast the feeling of that super gas championship in 92 versus say your first pro stock championship, which I believe is 2000. And yep. then maybe versus the first championship under the countdown format, which was yep. seven for you. Like seven, yep. a different feel of those. Yeah. Well, it was, you know, uh, the sportsman one, we, you know, with super gas championship, we kind of talked about earlier in, in the, the, the season that we had was, uh, you know, near record pacing, but, uh, with two or three guys nipping on our heels. I mean, um, you know, in the sportsman ranks at that time, you know, we, and still today you, you can run 14 races, six nationals and eight divisionals and takes your best three nationals and, and, uh, your best five of eight divisionals. Uh, so, in that format, it gives you a little bit of grace where if you do have a, a race that didn't work out too well, which we had a couple of them that year where we're having car problems that uh, we didn't pan out well. Uh, but, but I can tell you being the first championship uh, that I'd ever won uh, was, was just fantastic. Uh, the feeling of accomplishment, uh, you know, the feeling of, of pride from, from our family and, and what we had created with, with the race car that we had built, uh, you know, quite a few of us. So there was, there was a ton of pride and, and enjoyment there. Uh, pro stock, you know, moving into the professional ranks, you know, the televised racing, if you will, uh, was a whole new element uh, for us, for Jigs. It was, uh, you know, just continuing to try and do what we'd love to do. And that's, drag race and race cars, but to also build, uh, build the Jegs brand. And, um, and we were able to accomplish that, uh, very quickly and early on in, in our professional racing with Troy starting in the mid nineties and, and me following shortly thereafter. Uh, and then my brothers, John and Mike in the pro stock trucks, but, uh, the 2000 championship was, uh, in pro stock was, it was, uh, one of those storybook years. I mean, we came out, came out swinging, uh, at, at the winter nationals, one, one Pomona, uh, found myself in the sand trap after a first round victory over Ricky Smith, uh, of which, by the way, uh, if you ever need to make weight, uh, I don't, uh, recommend this, but if you do run into the sand trap and safety safari has to pull you out and you go to the scales, you're about 50 pounds heavy. So, uh, yeah, we weighed uh, 20, I think 2405, and I'm like, wow, what in the hell's all that? And uh, naturally, when we get back to the pit area, you know, we got the front end all beat up and laying sideways. It looked like it just got in a fight with Rocky Balboa. Uh, you know, Dick Mask and the team were taking the headers off, and there was literally 20 pounds of sand in each header. You know, the front end had sand uh, up in the belly pan, just et cetera, et cetera. But uh, that's how we started the 2000 season uh by the time second round came around you know woody and the whole team's got the front end re-taped up with color-coded uh, racers tape you know so it didn't look too bad it just had a little bit of a hang on one side and uh you know we went out and ended up running my brother troy on a rain delayed monday uh won the final over him and my dad i remember like yesterday we're sitting in the pits. My dad's like, you know, to, to fix this thing right, we really need to go back through Minnesota and go to Don Ness's shop and have him rehang it and, and rehang the front end and 
check everything over. He says, uh, would you be comfortable if we ran Phoenix uh, in the meantime? And I'm like, I said, listen, pop, I said, you know, I put, I put my, I put my hands in uh, or my life in his hands anytime, trust me. And uh, I, he had no worries. And uh, we went and won Phoenix the next weekend with it. And uh, I think Gainesville, we went out early, but uh, won like six or seven or seven or eight of the first uh, races of the year that year. And, and uh, just, just marched to uh, uh, kind of an early season closing championship. Uh, I know I'm getting long-winded here again, but uh, at that point in time, 24 races in the season, all 24 counted toward the championship season. And uh, I think we had locked it up around Memphis time, which I think was like maybe race number 20 or so. Right. And uh, just kind of coasted the last, uh, you know, three or four or five races uh, and had fun. Uh, we always have fun, but uh, now fast forward to 2007, I, I got it. It goes down in history. In, in my mind, it was the first year of the NHRA's playoff, the countdown to one. And the first year we had, we had two playoff elimination rounds. Uh, we had the first, uh, I guess it'd be 18 races of the, of the uh, regular season. And of the, of the regular season, the eight top qualifiers went on to the countdown to one. And so for the first four races of the remaining six, it took those eight racers and they obviously raced for points as they normally would against everyone else. And then after, I guess it'd be Dallas uh, for the last two races of the season, that eight went down to four. So there was two elimination rounds in the countdown. And we were, I think in the top two or three in, in the first elimination cut. And then we kind of fumbled a little bit there in the four race uh, uh, countdown and we were third, uh, barely held on to a spot to stay in. And, uh, first race of the countdown went to Vegas first race of the last two races, uh, in Vegas car wasn't performing very well. And, uh, through Friday and through Saturday. So my father, uh, Jeg and Roy, Roy Simmons, uh, you know, spent literally about seven or eight hours straight from about 7 p.m. Saturday night to uh, the wee hours of the morning on Sunday. And, uh, you know, they went through the car from front front to rear, top to bottom, side to side, plumb bob, measured everything. And uh, I can remember getting up Sunday morning and and my pop's like, uh, he's like, listen, I, I think we're, we've got this, we know exactly where this car is. He says, but we might need your help a little bit here because it may not be perfect, but we know exactly where it is. And, uh, and I remember I was racing, I think Scott Jeffrey on first round and I let the clutch out and this thing just went all kinds of crazy, kind of slid out a little bit and, uh, had my hands full. And I remember putting in fifth gear and looking over and I just started like chuckling. I'm like, there's no way I'm getting to the finish line first. And, uh, and I did thank, thankfully. And, uh, came back for the second round and racing my teammate, Dave Conley, who'd won, I think five of the last six races leading into this. And obviously was a huge favorite in winning the championship. And, uh, but like my father said, uh, they knew exactly where everything was and uh, made all the adjustments for round two. And you could have put this thing on a string. And uh, as it turns out, I think we, we uh, left first and never looked back and, uh, and, you know, that was probably the single most pivotal round of the season for us uh, because of that. And uh, we went on to the final round, just got nipped by uh, Greg Anderson. You know, at that point in time, they were a good two, three, four hunters faster than most of the field. And I uh, just snuck by us. Uh, we get to Pomona for the last race of the year. We're still in third place, uh, even though we went to the final there at, uh, at, at Vegas and, uh, you know, I was like seventh pair. We qualified pretty well. We were pretty late in, in the first round pairings. And uh, I, I think Justin Humphreys beat uh, Greg Anderson on a whole shot. And then uh, Conley turned it red to somebody. And I was sitting back in my car thinking, holy shit, here. Uh, huh. All right. So, you know, we never count our chickens before the hatch. Trust sure. me. So I, I was running, I think, Larry Morgan, um, who certainly needs no introduction. And uh, I remember letting the clutch out, felt great on the tree. I think I was teen or better on the tree. And I remember rowing through the first couple of years. I'm like, please hang on, please hang on. You know, don't do anything stupid here. 
And uh, we got the win against Larry. And, and it, about that time, it dawned on me. I mean, this is now at a winner-take-all mm -hmm. uh, state. And, uh, you know, just went back to the pits. And, uh, you know, we had a, had a great, uh, you know, between-round service uh, and a great conversations with my pop and Roy and the team. And, and we're focused. And uh, had Richie Stevens round two. And uh, same scenario, I let the clutch out. And I was like, ooh, all right. And I got it in second gear, got it in third gear, got it in fourth gear. And I just prayed it stayed in fifth gear because, you know, things happen. Mm -hmm. You know, things blow up. They can jump out of gear. Rearing can lock up. I mean, Lord knows there's infinite things that can happen. And, uh, you know, we were able to, you know, stay out ahead of Richie with, without any issues and uh, and win that championship. But the cutthroat nature of of that first countdown to one that uh, the playoff system that NHRA have was amazing. They made uh, an amendment to it for from year two to current uh, where we just have one elimination round after uh, the regular season. There's in, in pro stocks case, five races uh, for the championship countdown now uh, and all five count toward, uh, toward that championship. So that first year was, was very uh, cutthroat, very uh, uh, trying uh, internally, but uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun, to say the least. I can definitely resonate with the the emotion and the and just how quickly the the change in mindset can happen. Like from a, a similar situation in sportsman categories, I assume you come into that event at Pomona knowing, like, yes, there is a mathematical chance, but like the odds no. are not in your favor, no. and it's kind right. of a a freeing feeling. Like, okay, I got nothing to lose, and then you see what happens in front of you, and all of a sudden that dream that seemed so distant so out of reach is so much within your grasp and it's amazing yep. how quickly that mindset changes from almost from okay just go do what we can do to oh god don't mess this up you know like right. it's all on the table for you you know it's amazing just in a split second that that changes and the and the, the gravity that it has on you yeah there's no question uh but you know at the end of the day uh you know, when you boil it all down, I mean, we're, we're out there to do what we love to do. And, and, uh, and that's drive these race cars and, and, uh, you know, much of it's out of our control. Uh, but, but, uh, we've had made some great memories. It's, and that's probably the, the key that's been fun uh, in my career is, is the friendships made along the way, the memories made, uh, and not only just with the racers and, and their family and friends, but, uh, with the fans, you know, uh, as, you know, it developed into in the professional side of NHRA. Uh, it was really neat to see, uh, you know, people cheering for you and, and rooting for you week in and week out and, and supporting you. And it's been neat to see our fan base grow. And, and, uh, and that, that was mainly the reason uh, we made an announcement prior to uh, this season uh, that, that I was going to step away at the end of this year was, was uh, really an honor of the fans, uh, give them an opportunity, whether they want to or not. Uh, you know, we've had literally hundreds of thousands of them in our corner and, and uh, thankfully, so uh, hopefully we'll give them a great, uh, great show once we get back to get back to racing. Hopefully that'll be in this calendar year. Over the years, you guys have obviously had tremendous success on the racetrack, tremendous success in business with Jags. And one thing that I think has always stood out has just been your, I don't even think willingness is the right word, but commitment to giving back both within the sport, you know, and, and, and sponsoring a variety of events, races, series on down the line and beyond. And I think what really stands out in that is the Jegs Foundation. I wanted you to talk on it for a, a few minutes, just because I feel like we had this discussion a little bit off air about how fortunate we both feel through the current times in this pandemic of just that this hasn't necessarily affected us directly, you know, not nearly as much as, as we see in others, both from a health wise and from a, a financial standpoint and how within that, like I, I feel this desire almost to, while there's obviously anxiety about my own personal future, like just knowing I'm weathering this a lot better than a lot of my friends, right? Sure. And how can I help? How can I give back? Well, you guys have always been at the forefront of that with the Jake's Foundation. So just talk a little bit along those lines and what that means to you. Right. Well, you know, most of us, uh, you know, have cancer in our lives in one way, shape or form. And uh, our family was not exempt to that. Uh, my father was a survivor of, of a, kind of a rare male uh, cancer in bladder cancer in the late 80s. I was still in high school and, uh, you know, uh, and got to kind of experience that with him. And, and fortunately, uh, you know, he was able to get 
great care here in Central Ohio at the time, and and he's you know been in remission since. Um, you know, and I think as, as we continue to grow as a company, you know, you know, you know the offerings you get of of different philanthropic areas you can support. I mean, they're coming in the mail every single day, sometimes by the more than one a day. Uh, and and our goal as a family was to create a family foundation to uh, support, go toward a greater cause. And, uh, and that cause ended up being cancer research. And, um, you know, I can remember uh, my first wife had gone through cancer as well. And, and I was sitting in the, in the lobby at the James Cancer Hospital here at Ohio State and uh, had designed our ribbon. You know, it's, it's a very familiar uh, design as the Komen Foundation and many other uh, uh, cancers are significant, you know, signified with the ribbon, but ours was, you know, I just drew it with a checkerboard and, and uh, you know, to bring a racing theme to it. Um, but I, at that time, I think that was early 2000s, uh, you know, we as a family got together and wanted to support cancer research and primarily in pediatric cancers as well uh, with, with the children, not only at the James Cancer Hospital, but also Columbus Children's. And uh, we started the JEGS Foundation and, and our hope and goal was to use our outlet of JEGS, uh, JEGS mail order and all of our customer base, uh, but also our racing efforts to be able to, uh, you know, give, give people an opportunity for information. Uh, that was our main goal was to provide information where, where an individual can get help. And that individual could be the one with cancer, that could be a caregiver or a friend or a family member. You know, there's so many different levels of this uh, on, in how you can help. Uh, further to the point, uh, you know, we started the foundation and, and, you know, had displays at the races and handed out brochures from the JEGS Foundation and from Ohio State, some of our partners. And, and it was really received way greater than we ever anticipated. We had people wanting to give us money and, and that was never in, in our site or our goal of our foundation. And, uh, you know, we adapted a little bit with that, but we've never solicited uh, for any kind of, of, of efforts coming in inbound. Um, but anytime we've gotten uh, contributions like from yourself or other, other, uh, folks or venues, a hundred percent of it we have put toward cancer research uh, through the Jegs Foundation, and, uh, and and we found great pride and 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 enjoy in being able to kind of give back in that fashion. You know, our customers uh, have participated in uh, rounding up or giving a dollar over the years as well, and, and currently, and that's been a big help. And it's uh, it's really. Uh, neat to see the community get involved through our little funnel uh, to be able to support uh, such great efforts. And uh, we're fortunate uh, here in Delaware, Ohio, you know, the famed Ohio State University is about 20 minutes uh, south of here. And, and uh, to have one of the world-renowned cancer centers, uh, you know, there's many of them, but, uh, you know, we're top three cancer center here in the United States and in really the world for that matter, uh, to have that here in our backyard and, and uh, be a partner with them is, uh, is really cool. So, uh, you know, that's uh, been almost 17, 18 years now that uh, we've had the Jegs Foundation going and, and uh, we've been able to, uh, as a family through, through our uh, corporate efforts, through our racing efforts, uh, et cetera, to uh, donate uh, over $10 million uh, to cancer research, actually about, let me rephrase that, about $15 million uh, toward cancer research uh, mainly at Ohio State and uh, Children's Hospital uh, Nationwide Children's here in Columbus. And, uh, you know, we continually uh, thank our customers and, uh, and our family and friends for, uh, you know, supporting JEGS and, uh, and have enjoyed giving back in their honor and ours. Yeah, no, that's incredible stuff. Uh, I know you had said never uh, soliciting donations specifically, but for any of our racers that it feels relevant or simply want to learn more, like what's the best outlet to learn more about the JEGS Foundation? Uh, right at uh, JEGS.com. Uh, we have a, a tab for the JEGS Foundation. You can learn about not only the JEGS Foundation, but um, as or more importantly, uh, you have direct uh, outlets to, uh, if you have questions about your cancer, uh, hotlines to call, 
or uh, information. Uh, information is king, and uh, you know we're fortunate uh, in an information-driven world today to have a lot of lot more information at our fingertips. Uh, you know, with the internet naturally. So, uh, but jegs.com uh, has a, has a great tab. So does our racing site teamjegs.com. But uh, both kind of funnel to uh, to Ohio State and or the National Cancer Institute. Jeg, man, this has been a treat. Thank you so Likewise. much for, uh, for taking time out of your day to, uh, to share with us here. I've enjoyed this. I'm sure that uh, our watchers and listeners can say the same. Stay healthy. It's great to see you. And uh, best of luck going forward in, in all ventures, my man. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It's been a, truly my pleasure, uh, you know, to see Luke with his headset on, uh, asking me questions. Uh, you know, you've uh, done a hell of a job not only uh, on the racetrack, but uh, off the racetrack. It's been fun, fun to watch your career uh, go and, and, uh, and prosper as it has and your family grow. So uh, congrats to you and stay well as well uh, as to our uh, listeners and viewers as well. Yeah, absolutely. I got the thanks flooding in on Facebook. Now I can see. So again, man, I appreciate that. Those words mean a ton to me. And uh, thanks again for being on here with us. Likewise, brother. Peace. Take care, Jake. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer led by knowledgeable professionals. Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors, and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are 100-plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.